Well, hello and welcome to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church member podcast designed to give people the inside scoop on life in our church. Here's our host and lead pastor, Jeff Lockyer. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. And uh, today we are going to talk church governance. Uh, We've actually got one of our brand new board members here at Southridge, a guy named Wes Reimer. Wes, say hi to everybody. Hi, guys. Um, Can you give all of us listening in uh, just a little bit of background on yourself? Yeah, sure. I would be especially known, I guess, to folks from Southridge Vineland because um, that was that used to be my home church uh, when I grew up. So I'm from a local local boy. Um, I sometimes joke that the the newspaper headline for my life would be uh, "Hometown Kid Makes Good," um, because really it was growing up in Vineland and and uh, having that experience was was idyllic in some ways, right? I just I feel like it was there was a simplicity to it. There was there was a stability to it uh, that was was fantastic. So local guy, um, and worked on farms as, as is kind of the, the typical experience for many of us out, out that way. Um, for, for many, many years, learned to work with my hands and, and get the value of a hard day's work, so to speak, but then really ultimately pursued some of my, uh, my studies that was uh, of greater interest to me. I even included some Bible school studies right after high school and, and then on to undergrad science en route to medical school. So as some of you know, uh, I'm a medical doctor. I've been a, a GP in this area for almost 25 years now. Um, and uh, a growing love for God over the years and also a love for for science just kind of blended well together, I thought, in the decision to become a doctor. Uh, this, this idea of kind of providing holistic care where, where it wouldn't just be limited to, to somebody's body, but also what's going on in their the health of their mind and their spirit, uh, et cetera. So I, I went into general family practice. Um, and uh, kind of a birth to grave practice, if you want to put it that way, just covering you know babies to seniors uh, for the first decade. Raised a family in there too, with two boys of my own um, from my first marriage, um, and then more the last uh, fourteen years or so have been uh, uh, primarily hospital based, and most recently working at uh, Shaver Rehab. Happily remarried to someone well known to our community. That's uh, Vicky Giles. Um, she and I married on twenty uh, in twenty eighteen, and here we are. Uh, yeah, that's kind of a whirlwind of a story. Do you, do you want to tack on how you ended up at Southridge? Yeah. Because when you talk about growing up in Vineland, you weren't part of the Vineland church adoption that ended up launching that site. Right. You had kind of circuitously kind of come in the back door of, of Southridge and St. Catharines and then absolutely celebrate that, uh, yeah. celebrate that adoption, uh, you know, a number of years ago. Yeah. I couldn't have seen that coming <laughs> actually back in the day when, when, I when, when I think about, you know, um, uh, Southridge and, and, uh, all that, um, all that it is right now and, and some of the qualities and the character of the, the church I grew up in, uh, there's been a real growth arc in there. So it's, it's beautiful actually to have seen it then and now, and to realize that uh, there was a, there was a readiness for that uh, church to, to join Southridge. So um, for me, I actually, after my medical studies and we came back to the Niagara area, um, I was going to a different church. And so it was following a, a pretty nasty church split that um, I was looking for a different church and so several of my friends and even a former boss and, and family were, were going to, at the time, Fairview Louth Church. And uh, 
I was familiar with the church denomination, knew it was a, was a solid church family, and that just seemed like a good fit. So arrived at, at uh, Fairview Louth just before the move. I'd say within a year of the move downtown and kind of a missional change and shift. Uh, do you want to talk about, before we get into your new role as an elder, uh, some of the ways you've been involved in the last number of years? Um, yeah, even even before um, uh, coming to Southridge, had had been involved just because for me, um, at the time I was saying yes to Jesus was really early. I was privileged to be introduced to that early on. So from the time um, I was eight years old, um, I was very much, you know, tracking with kind of what was going on with uh, in the church and even at, at, at former churches was involved in everything from youth leadership on to local service um, initiatives through MCC and Mennonite Central Committee and different things like that. And always at multiple churches over the years before getting to Southridge, leading small groups. Um, I really enjoy that. And uh, again, that's been one of the things that I have done for many years now and continue to do uh, at Southridge, which is uh, being part of the life groups. Um, uh, Vicky's also uh, leading a life group. I've been intermittently involved with uh, um, supporting the shelter and doing some some initiatives there uh, um, on a periodic basis uh, in the kitchen. I've um, been part of supporting Alpha as well, facilitating um, a, tea, a team or a table uh, at Alpha. Uh, those are some of the things that, that come come to, to mind right away. Cool. Um, so let's talk about your segue onto the board. You know, one of the themes that, you know, we, we discuss during the eldership interview process is uh, this phrase that the Bible describes as aspiring to eldership. Mm-hmm. Um, can you just comment personally on the degree to which or even why you would have aspired to this role? Yeah, I, when, I, when I hear a question like that, I think about um, a term I've heard before, and that's kind of the, the, call, the call without and the call within. You know what I mean? Um, I feel like there, in terms of our own natural um, uh, giftings or resources or whatever, character, et cetera, et cetera, um, I think that's something that that is part of that that call within where you start to recognize that, Hey, maybe I'm, I've got traits that are suited to whatever it might be, right. Children's ministry or shelter work or whatever you, you start to see um, where you might graft in. Um, and for me, uh, there's always sort of been this, the, I guess it would be part of the shepherding side because there's a lot of different aspects to eldership, but there's that shepherding side where I, um, I've always found that people, and maybe you future elders out there, beware if, if you're listening. If you're that person that people just all, all of a sudden will kind of cozy up to and start telling you all their deepest problems and you think, how, how in the world did we get here? I've, just, I've only known you a very, very short period of time and you're trusting me with this information. That was me. That was my experience. It has been my experience for many years. Um, and so there, there's been something natural about, I guess, that kind of a shepherding aspect to it. Um, the another another aspect that that would be sort of part of that call within and that resonating with with this role would be um, just an, an affinity for um, for the Word of God for for the Bible um, and very interested in in uh, drilling into that. That was part of what what led me to to do some extra studies in in Bible school. So those are some of the things in terms of of that the the sense inside myself that I may be well suited to this role. And then there's the call from without when when other people. Um, some of whom who may may not really know a lot about your background or whatever, somehow start mentioning things like, you know what, you should consider this. You should think about eldership. You should um, 
uh, give this uh, give this some prayer time, etc. And that's happened several times actually over the years. And it just hadn't really been there'd been a number of, of uh, things going on in my life that were hadn't been uh, a suitable timing for it. But when there was yet another call from without in terms of our last round of needing some um, some some spaces filled on the elder board, I thought, no, you know what? I think this is the perfect combination of that that inner preparedness as well as the as a need. You know, an express need framework. Um, when you were considering letting your name stand in the nomination phase at that time, Wes, you know, what was your understanding of what an elder did that, that you were looking to help support or contribute to? Mm-hmm. Um, by that time, I'd been part of the Southridge community enough that I had a, a, um, a pretty good sense of this, this idea of guardrails, right? We use that term a fair bit uh, at Southridge. And, um, that was, that was one kind of thing that was, it was, it helped me conceptualize this, that we're, you don't want when you're, when you're involved in any kind of governance of, a, of an organization, you don't want to see that, um, that group going, going too far left or right or, or whatever, getting too skewed in their thinking or losing their missional focus or whatever it may be. So, um, that was one part that, that I was, uh, envisioning for sure. And then I think what I already alluded to a bit, a bit of that shepherding kind of a role also, um, you know, where where um, there can be some some uh, exceptional time given to individuals that are uh, that are needing whether like our coffee anyone for example used to have that tear off tab. And I know sometimes that was a role that that some of the former elders um, uh, were involved in. So I could kind of see myself in, in terms of doing uh, some of those um, those roles. That, that, that's one thing that comes to mind. Cool. Um... Obviously, another major theme in the the discernment process of, for suitability for elders, uh, you know, are their strengths and kind of the de- their, their background and the degree to which uh, you know God's invested in and gifted in uh, gifted them and prepared them for a, a thing like this. Um, you know, when you think about your background, I mean, let's start even with your previous church or mm-hmm. leadership experience. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some contributors to your background that made you feel that God had been preparing you for such a time as this? Um, good question. I think that because everybody's story is so unique, right? Um, and and some of the bumps along the way wind up actually being um, perhaps our, our best preparations for, for various aspects of a new role. So, um when I think about even the even the church split that we endured there 15 years ago or so, um, that was horrible. But I can I can remember already then just thinking about, you know, what what is it that that holds a church together? And um, and if this, if this ever happened again, I can remember that. Is this, is this if this ever happened again? Would I would I just kind of leave? Would I just draft off and say, well, I guess there's greener pastures somewhere else, or I'll, I'll find something else. And I can remember in my mind just kind of resolving that, look, unless there was, there was like massively, utterly irreconcilable differences, um, I want to try and work it through. You know what I mean? I want to try and uh, rebuild at a foundational level. And when we start thinking about governance, we're talking about that. We're talking about the, the foundational aspects, right, of, a, um, of a, uh, an institution or an organization. And so that's, that's part of, I would say, that something that would be stick with me, would have come from previous experience that's relevant here. Um, that I want to, I want to kind of own it, want to dig in and try and fix what we can. Um, and, uh, just dealing with people, 
uh, in general, especially as a, as a clinician, front-facing uh, doctor, you see everything from soup to nuts. You know, the, there's a lot of doctors that would say, I think I'm a deputized pastor. And there's probably some pastors that say, I think I'm a deputized doctor. You know, like these, these are some of the, as they used to say, kind of the ancient professions, right? Um, and there is a tremendous overlap between the two. Um, we're all broken people in various ways. And so we're looking for, we're looking for some kind of a balm for, for, uh, that which, uh, which is hurt or broken in us. And, and, um, so I think it's been a tremendous opportunity to actually have dealt with people, uh, not just for the physical maladies, but some of the, the tremendous collateral damage, if you want to call it that, um, family impact, relational impact, et cetera. Um, of some of the worst episodes in life, whether it's post-stroke or, or um, some other medical malady. And um, that's part of what we see too. I mean, if, if, if you're tracking with me, I think that's part of what we're seeing too um, with folks that are hurting in our own community. Right. Um, so, yeah. so experience uh, in that regard, I think has really been helpful too. I found that fascinating uh, in the elder appointment process when you were talking about, how your medical profession mm -hmm. and engagement with people has actually prepared you for this spiritual and in a lot of ways pastoral role yeah. because you, you have a purview that sees the whole person. Talk about that a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for the, the first hi, how are you right to the, to the membership uh, in terms of the appointment when I was preparing for, for that meeting, uh, the zoom meeting in summer, um, that's when that really kind of crystallized for me too. The penny dropped and I thought, wow, um, there's a remarkable overlap here. Uh, physicians by our training really are, are focused on very much keeping things as guardrails as well, right? Someone comes in, uh, they're 120 pounds overweight. Um, they're mostly concerned about pain in a knee or back or something like that. And, and I, we as, as, as clinicians of any kind, We've got to think more globally than that. I can't just give them Maprosyn or Advil for their knee, right? I have to think more broadly. Um, and then maybe that, maybe some of the problems related to other broader, broader health issues for an individual uh, are also affecting life at home. They're, they're uh, affecting the capacity to, to, to work, and that's putting strain on the partner uh, and on the whole family. And, and, um, and so there's a lot, more, a lot more breakdown, edginess, et cetera. So... Yeah, you really there's a tremendous em emphasis, particularly in family medicine training, on uh, family counseling, um, and that and at, at the time when you know we're we're twenty something going through professional school, um, some of us may not have experienced too much conflict in our own circumstances, maybe haven't bumped up against too much elsewhere. Um, that almost feels out of place at that point, and then then you spend your first few months and and, and years in, in family practice and think, oh, okay, that's why. That's why there was such a focus on that is because we, we are complex people, right? The holistic thinking is not, not just the domain of medicine. I think we have to be holistic in our, in our approach um, uh, everywhere. Most definitely. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, so let's talk about this whole role of governance. Uh, I know that we've got people from Southridge who are listening that are curious. Mm -hmm. We've got leaders from other churches that may not be as familiar with this topic, but certainly in a church like ours, mm -hmm. I've watched again and again, one of the greatest leaps that a person takes when they become uh, an elder and embrace the role of elder is this understanding and embracing the function of governance. Mm -hmm. So let's just start, Wes. 
with, you know, how, how do you understand governance today? Yeah, um, not, not as much as I will tomorrow. That's my first reaction. As I, as I shared with you, uh, this is an area where I'm definitely, I feel like I'm, I'm very much still a learner. Um, but it's been a steep learning curve already. And we've had some great conversations and there's been, been some really good um, material too that I've been able to wade through. And I have to go back to the diagram. If you remember in some of the orientation stuff that anybody, anybody going through this, this nomination process was, was to read um, our appointment process. The one is the, the diagram of the tree. You remember that one? I love, yeah, the, I like the that. Tree yeah, I like yep. the tree diagram. Yeah, very good. I like that one a lot. Because you know you can kind of you kind of grasp the fact that the you know the, the trunk of the tree is going to be your leadership team and and kind of the core leaders of ministry teams etc and then um, then the uh, the actual the branches yeah the branches are heading out of that that's again another another level of getting closer to front facing care and then right out in the leaves um, those are the ones that are uh, a combination of volunteers and some possibly some paid employees too but those are those are the folks that are really engaging that's the first. That's the first aspect of what a lot of people are going to meet when they come to a church like hey, that's your front front line that's ministry. it yeah. yeah but what's down what's below the surface and and that's the part that you know as i as i realize okay hey hang on where are we in the diagram <laughs> so we're, we're, we're down there in the dirt you know um and it's not so much of the analogy being about dirt but the analogy is about not being as, as high profile right it's the fact that yeah, the, the, the the diagram has the the board as the roots yes exactly yeah and and you think about you know, roots in a healthy plant they they do a whole host of things but you know they're filtering they're 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 gathering what's necessary whether it's nutrients and water um and and all of that all, and, and there's got to be the analogy to communication i guess would be flow right there has to be good flow through those roots to be able to get it up all the way out to the furthest branches and leaves um out there and so um as a, as a governing board we have to ensure that that we are we're good with each other, right? That we're actually communicating uh, well with each other. It can't be off as an island. So there has to be tremendous teamwork. Um, and and the filtering, I think, really works well too from the root system in the sense that uh, I'm just shocked already and I'm barely into this, right? How much how much information actually, you know, gets delivered to us, you know, much of it coming from yourself. But, but you know, you're getting reports from a whole host of other people and then we're getting the, the, the consolidated version of those reports uh, brought to us, whether it's financial or, or, or procedural or whatever it may be, there's a lot of filtering that goes on. So we're, we're having to process a ton of information in a short period of time and and see if any of the, the dash lights, so to speak, go off and say, you know, error or, or, or empty or whatever, and see if there's any kind of a flag. Um, and again, back to that, that doctor analogy, right? If I, but prior to a meeting, just like, just like with the, with the elder board meeting, prior to meeting a patient, you're often asked, right, to go do a whole panel of blood work, possibly an ultrasound, x-ray, whatever, bring that with you and there in a meeting that's always too short for people's satisfaction. <laughs> the doctor goes through, oh, okay, yeah. we got a bit of a problem with the thyroid, right? It is zero in on that. And, and that's, I think that's part of what that governance role entails as well, is, is filtering a lot of information and having to be, having to be sharp. Having to stay awake and be alert and be sharp and see if there's anything that seems like it's awry, and and the person that's out there on the leaves, so to speak, in the same analogy, they're not necessarily knowing all of what's going on down there, um, and to some extent, maybe don't even have to. It's just you, you want to make sure that the that, that root system is is solid, and um, yeah. that's that, that's the one that kind of resonates with me first and foremost. Yeah, it's interesting because you know the 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 whole idea of the diagram is that the roots 
aren't really visible mm -hmm. because they live underground. Yeah. So, you know, what have you, even in your early observations, learned about why that's so important? Because up till up till becoming a board member, that was probably a largely invisible yeah, role to you. Absolutely. So now yeah. this role is some now this role has become visible. Mm -hmm. What is so important about it? Why does it matter so much? Um, again, the, to the analogy, the health of the tree, right? If, if a root is cut off, if a root is uh, poisoned, whatever, you've got yourself a, an entirely unhealthy tree. So you, you, can't, you can't have that, um, that elder board uh, uh, ill in any way, I guess malfunctioning uh, in any way, because it really will, I think, affect the entire organization. So if we're asleep at the switch, to, to kind of use that term, right? Um, we aren't filtering well. We're not picking up on something. Um, the, the different branches that we've often talked about, I think our congregation has heard many times of, of having an ear to the ground, you know, an ear to heaven and a hand on leadership's back. If those, those core tenets of, of what governance looks like are out of whack for any long period of time, yeah, we're grinding into the guardrails, right? The, the sparks are flying and, yeah, and, yeah. and we're in trouble. We're slowing down. We're losing momentum. Um, and uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna get way off course. Uh, yeah. So I think that's why it's really essential. And um, albeit invisible, it's, it's easy to write off things that you don't see every day or you don't you don't me measure every day. But I think it's quite important. Very good. Well, let's uh, let's dig in then to what what ultimately drives your contribution to our board of elders, and that's your passion for the church. That's common to every board member. Mm -hmm. And uh, before we even talk specifically about Southridge, I'm just curious to get some perspective on just the church in general. Mm -hmm. You've grown up in the church, mm -hmm. you know, you, you've experienced pain through the church. So you've mm -hmm. set, kind of seen the good, bad and ugly. Yeah. What, what is it that you love about the church and why are you so into it? <laughs> I was thinking about this cause I, I knew some of what we were going to talk about today and, uh, I just knew that even within 24 hours of, of this podcast, there would be something that would probably contribute to one of, one of the, the questions. And this is one of them. And, and, and after this morning's service, I would say, just rewind the tape. So this would be September 5. Uh, rewind the tape and listen to this morning's service. Like everything I love about the church was right there. Um, the fact that, um, that, we're, that we're gathering again, that we can actually be together and, and share um, – share our pain right to, to some extent our joys definitely too but today was was just so um relevant in terms of looking at that shocking number that mike was was sharing of 77 weeks it wasn't even the 500 and some odd days that hit me the first time when he phrased it as 77 weeks of covid um that's when i thought wow it's that many sundays um and we've, we've not been able to have the benefit of that, of being, of being the church together, because it is an experience, right? I love, so part of getting back on point, what I love about the church is that the church is a family. We've often said uh, in church circles that Sunday mornings should feel like a family reunion. I love that quote. There's a few quotes that have stuck with me over the years, and that's one of them. It should feel like a family reunion, and many times it does. I wish that we could even hug more freely, and we didn't have to have masks and all the social distancing and everything, but... That's the part that just isn't substituted by, A, other support groups or things in, in life. Uh, it's certainly not um, mimicked by uh, a virtual gathering, right? Um, so I, I just, I love that, that we can, we can be uh, a family together. 
So that's, uh, that's huge. Um, and that we can be honest and be real together. Uh, the the uh, a caricature, I suppose, of church would be that you've got, you know, um, church ladies from Saturday Night Live or some of these other caricatures that you see where it's, it's, it's just, it's superficial, you know, it's skin deep. Uh, and that's, that's just not, that's never been my experience of church. My experience is that you bring your gut honest reality. Um, because life was hard that week doesn't mean God went away. Um, you, you, you talk about what's hard and you go through it. And, and what was so good about the, the, this morning service was it was very, very unvarnished look at what has been really, really hard for people over COVID talking about the fact that people have lost loved ones. They're gone. They're never coming back again. Businesses have been lost, et cetera. And actually being led through um, exercises that will help us process some of that grief. So I just think in terms of, um, in terms of hope and healing um, through God and the people of God, yeah, that, those are just some of the examples, just real world from within, within the past few hours that remind me of what I love about it. As we look to the future, and I know that this season now, especially in the month of September, uh, is all about, you know, envisioning our, our future. You know, when we get specific to, to our local church, mm-hmm. what's exciting you about the future of Southridge? Where do you see opportunity for impact these days? Mm-hmm. Kind of where are you excited to see God grow us in this next season? Well, I think, you know, you and I have had... Uh, uh, some conversations about this uh, earlier too, where it's this idea of um, post-COVID almost being like a, a restart, right? Like a like a church plant. We get we get the privilege. What's exciting is that we get the privilege to um, to reinitiate or reengage, I guess, with the best parts of, of, of Southridge and what we're working well. Um, we are kind of a, as we've said, years gone by, we're kind of an arrows out type of a a church right a missional church where we look we're looking out this isn't just about satisfying uh internal needs or being a, a you know an echo chamber uh on sunday mornings only um and i love that i love that we get back to uh, what we did best before and can kind of rediscover it um so that's exciting to me uh and i think that like anything absence makes the heart grow fonder i think that in the absence of being able to um to fully engage in things that each of us used to do uh, as well as you know, start some of those things that maybe we had in our to-do list 77 weeks ago. Uh, there's a renewed fervor. I really do think that the people are going to come back with a renewed fervor and say, "Well, you know what? I'm not. Uh, I want to. I want to jump in. I want to roll up my sleeves and, and get into this because who knows when the next barrier is going to come? Well, I hope it's not a lockdown, but there, there may be something else unforeseen where again we can't do what we wanted to do. Um, so, you know, dealing with. We're, we're, there's always going to be challenges, for example, specific to the, say, the Glenridge site with with marginalization, et cetera. So, uh, how do we how do we do shelter life better? Not necessarily bigger. I'm definitely not a bigger is better kind of a guy. Um, but but can we even do what, with with the population size and the shelter bed capacity we have now? Can we do that even better? And can we go beyond, for example, can we go beyond shelter? Uh, primary focus on shelter alone, like coming out of the rain, so to speak, is is one thing. But then how do we actually dry off? How do we actually see bridge to a better day, right? So I think, I, I know that there's been some consideration for things beyond uh, um, the, the shelter aspect and for terms of a roof over your head and, and three square meals for quite some time. So I'm excited to see kind of where that where that's going to go. Um, mm. Not just, a, not just a glad, you know, elsewhere as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the flip side, 
you know, what do you see as some of the challenges that either the church in general, kind of the Western church mm-hmm. is, is facing, mm-hmm. or that, that you're, you're, you've got that elder eye on now that that's, you feel Southridge is specifically facing? Yeah. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share two things, and they're both going to be related to COVID. Um, the first one on a national and even an international level, I'm sure, um, for me, that's become really, really apparent in the past few months, uh, as the, because this this fourth wave is 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 the one wave we probably could have impacted a bit better or differently, because um, we finally had some some tools, right? We finally had a vaccine that was reasonably effective. Um, what it's done, I think that, that this that this wave and some of the protests we're seeing right now, quite vocal protests, etc., um, around uh, vaccination hesitation and fear about it, even some paranoia in a few sectors. Uh, has shown me more than ever that we are living in a postmodern culture. And for many years, I had no real working kind of model for what that meant. I knew it was a buzzword. I knew that anybody who was anybody uh, in society, uh, you know, in, in church society, you know, out of church society, we're talking a lot about postmodernism, postmodernism. Um, didn't really get a good handle on that other than to know that there, you know, that one of the main tenets is that there's really no such thing as, as absolute truth, right? Um you kind of define your own truth, you you're live according to your own values and, and largely reject any kind of a, a prescribed or centralized way of doing things or, or truth. Um, COVID has shown how deeply we have drifted into that type of a society. And I think that poses unique challenges for the church. So the the rejection of, of something as, as specific, even as, as, a, as a vaccine, um, given to us, uh, if you will, by science, uh, that to me shows that I think there's been a rejection of modernism because in broad strokes, modernism, the kind of era of the 20th century uh, and maybe even a bit before was, could be broadly characterized as a scientific era, a scientific age where I think people thought that just given enough time and resources, science will fix everything for us, right? It's going to have, it's going to have a solution to everything. It's, that's kind of our new God, if you will. Um, and then, Really, when, when science failed us in certain ways, when everything from the atom bomb on down the line to, to certain debacles even in medicine, things where there wasn't full disclosure or there wasn't enough research or whatever, I think that, that created, in some ways, a major stronghold and a foothold for postmodernist thinking, saying, wait a minute, let's not jump onto this new messiah just yet. Um, this thing is full of holes, right? Um, and so I think it, it, it became a bit of a... Um, uh, a window, if you will, of opportunity. And then now when you take something simultaneous, novel and global, like the COVID-19 pandemic, wow, it, it really, really shines a spotlight or tears the roof off, whatever analogy you want to you say, on where, um, the, especially the Western world is at with regard to their, their trust of science and modernism in general, uh, where there's, there's rejection of what, what seems like an objectively helpful you know, good thing, even world-saving thing, depending on your perspective um, regarding the pandemic. So take that into the church now. You've got a you've got a society that I think has shifted deeper and deeper into, into a postmodernist kind of a, a, a paradigm, um, rejecting truth. And you've got a Jesus who's saying, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me." Right? You see the contrast. You see the challenges there. So I think that. To answer the question, what do I see as a, as a, as a high-level challenge for uh, the church in general? Uh, that's one, I think, in terms of where our world is at and where, where the core message of Christ is at. Uh, 
those, I mean, those can be reconciled. We can, you know, sometimes some of the some of the underpinnings of postmodernism can be can be undone in a fell swoop. I remember a a, a doctor and a and a, a teacher that I, I respect very highly uh, from Ottawa. Uh, he was in a lecture one time and he said something about truth, uh, just in passing. And one of the postmodernist types uh, students in the front row said. Uh, excuse me, sir, there is no such thing as absolute truth. And he wheeled around and said, including that statement. <laughs> and she just, she, she was undone. I mean, she was completely undone. She hadn't even thought it through enough to realize that when you make such a standalone statement like that, you know, you're being hypocritical to what you're, what you're espousing. So, I mean, we, we, but these are, we have to, we have to work it through. We have to realize that this is a sort of a mindset that we're, that we're dealing with. The second COVID related thing would be in the specific, uh, and, it's not unique to Southridge, but if we want to boil it right down, what what do I see with Southridge? It's it's our own concerns with regard to having a, a, a split or divided population. Some are going to be vaccinated, some aren't. Um, how do we how do we deal with that? So I think we got to be cautious with regards to um, coming on too strong, depending on what people are are believing to believing with regards to uh, the pandemic, full stop, vaccination, etc. And that was addressed in in. The, the morning message uh, today as well. And I, and I really, really love that. Boiling it down in the end to the fact that two major things are going to be required. Um, you know, and one of those is grace, extending grace to one another. And the other one is embrace, that we are actually embracing one another. And even if folks aren't landing up on the side of the fence or the argument that we think they should be, um, that we have to appreciate the fact that that everybody has gone through a unique journey and process, I guess, and arriving where they at on any issue. But right now, I think we've got a lot of division in certain certain areas anyway that uh, that we need to to take on. And we're a church that, that loves to promote and emphasize love beyond belief. And this is a fantastic opportunity to do exactly that. Love beyond belief goes way beyond uh, LGBTQ uh, and other issues like that, right? It's, it's literally every issue that is debatable. Uh, and disputable, and so one of those that I think is going to really, really be uh, upfront for quite a, quite a while yet, as we head into the fall and even into the winter, is this idea of you know who's vaccinated? How come you're not vaccinated? How come you are? Blah blah blah. Um, we have to extend huge amounts of grace to one another. Hmm. Wes, I really appreciated you sharing all that, and it just gives all of us from Southridge and beyond a window into the heart and the just the, 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 the kind of spiritual thought process that a person playing the role of governance in a church actually engages in. This isn't like volume of the music level thinking. Mm-hmm. This is this is a far bigger picture, far deeper and far more complicated. Um, wrapping up, is there any just, you know, quick final uh, encouragement to our members and others listening uh, as we head into this fall kickoff season? Yeah, just um, just happy to be aboard. Honestly, that we are as a board, we're there for you. Um, I would I would uh, use this as an opportunity too to just solicit prayer. As I say, there's there's just a, a lot of information to filter. There's a lot of new aspects to this role for myself and for D Newman and and uh, all the folks that have been around for a while. So please pray for us and and uh, uh, all of all of our leaders and um, to to lean in. Honestly, when even though we've come through some really, really challenging times, I love that encouragement from from Jeremiah uh, today. That you know the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Right, His mercies are new every morning, and that morning seems it's taken longer than we thought—seventy-seven weeks and counting. Um, but 
you know, the, the hope, hope is there. The, the hope in Christ never fails. And uh, we've seen that time and time again. I know that's going to be true again. So we're all in this together. Fantastic. Thanks, Wes, for joining us. And thanks to all of you for tracking again this week. Uh, we're really excited about the ministry season that we're in here at Southridge. And I hope those of you, even beyond Southridge, that are listening in are excited about the ministry kickoff eras uh, of your local churches as well. So uh, continue joining uh, week after week after week. We'll be back in another seven days as we continue finding our way together. Take care, everyone. 